Well, good morning, Hills Church. So glad that you could join us again this week for week two of Hills Church Online. And if this is your first time, or maybe even just your second time that you've ever been part of Hills Church, I want to just give an extra special welcome to you. We're really glad that you can be with us today. I thought last week went brilliantly. I really love that. I want to thank the team for all the hard work they put in to make it happen. But I also want to thank you for all the interaction that you had online, particularly on Facebook and YouTube, all the comments you left and the photos that you sent through. Made it, it made for a lot of fun. And so I want to encourage you to continue to do that again this week if you can. Make sure you send some comments, send some photos, catch up with each other online as much as you can and welcome anybody who might be new with us today as well. We're going to get straight into it, though. Today we're going to be in Matthew 21, but before I get to Matthew 21, I just want to start us in Romans chapter 8 this morning, because this is another one of those hope-filled promises that we were talking about last week. So once again, let me just say, I've had even more conversations with many of you this week, and I know that many of you are doing it really tough. You know, there's a lot of concern about your particular, about your future. I know you're facing difficult times, very difficult. So we want to continue just to be real about this. We want to not push everything aside and pretend it's not happening. We don't want to pretend everything is just okay because it's not. It's not okay for, for many of you. But we are going to hold close to Jesus and his word because he is a loving God who promises to never leave us. And our hope and faith is in what Jesus has already done, what he is doing and what he has promised to do. You know, can I get an online amen from somebody this morning? Can you type that in for me? So here's what I want to start with today. In the middle of your struggle and pain and confusion, you know, there's doubts and there's worry and things like that that you might be feeling right now. In the middle of that, here's what Romans 8.28 says. And we know that God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose for them. Now, just you've got to note something about this verse. Paul doesn't say that God causes everything these things in our life. You know, the full stop is not after the everything. Yes, he allows things to happen because the world is broken by sin and there's been consequences that have been flowing down through history because of, of that. But what Paul actually says is that those of us who love God, he causes those things, those events, you know, the everything in our life to work for our good according to his purposes. So do you see the difference there? He's not saying God causes all the events in our life. Most events are a product of our own actions and the, the actions of our world, the things we humans do. What Paul is saying is that if you're a follower of his, he's going to bring good out of those events in your life. God can use anything, even the hard stuff, to be for our good. And he does. But we miss it. We get stuck in the fear and the worry and we miss what he's doing or what he's trying to say to us. 
So what is the good at the moment? You, you ask, well, I'm, I'm glad you asked that question. Thank you very much. The truth is that God's purpose in this crisis, it's going to be different for everybody, okay? Now, listen, church, don't hear me wrong. There will still be pain. There will still be suffering, okay? I know people are, are even losing their life at this time. I know people are losing their jobs. The weight on, uh, on many of us is, is high at the moment. Paul is not saying if you close your eyes tight and pray this verse, that suddenly all the trouble magically turns to good. That's not what this verse says. Okay, we've got we to read this correctly. We've got to interpret this correctly. So the question is, for us, in the middle of all our trouble and pain, are we willing to ask God what good he wants to bring to us? What lesson he's trying to tell us? You know, like we said last week, it's good to take all your needs to God and cast your cares on him. That's, that's so biblical, and we should do that. And you know, you have to take times to be still. That was last week's message, and I hope you did that this week. I hope you were able to push in close to Jesus and be still. But what is he doing in this time? How is he coming to us right now when I see trouble? Maybe that's all I see. All I can see is trouble. Well, what is God trying to say to us? And this is the question I've been pondering this week. As is always the case, when I ask a question of God, he generally answers, usually in a way that, that I wasn't even thinking that he would answer in, but through the word. This is why we read the word. This is why we're reading through the New Testament at the moment. It's how God speaks to us. And, and again, I, this is what I had this week. So we're going to be in Matthew chapter 21, starting at verse 12. Here's what happened. Jesus entered the temple and he began to drive out all the people buying and selling animals for sacrifice. He knocked over the tables of the money changers and the chairs of those selling doves and he said to them, the scriptures declare my temple will be called a house of prayer, but you have turned it into a den of thieves. The blind and the lame came to him in the temple and he healed them. The leading priests and the teachers of religious law, they saw these wonderful miracles and they heard even the children in the temple shouting, praise God for the son of David. But the leaders were indignant. They asked Jesus, do you hear what these children are saying? Yes, Jesus replied. Haven't you read the scriptures? For they say you have taught children and infants to give you praise. The good I see coming through in this time, if we're willing to see it, is a time of cleansing. And I see it in two ways. There's, I think there's, church, I think there's a cleansing in the church that, that's happening now and a cleansing in our own hearts as well. It's there in those scriptures. This is a time for the church to see how God is allowing this moment to strip us of all the wrong things that we, that we are clinging to. You know, things like uh, allow, we've allowed the love of the trappings of modern life to become our, our focus in the church sometimes. You know, it's style over st substance, perhaps. You know, I'm talking in general, not, not just Hills Church. I'm talking about the church in the West in particular at the moment. You know, we've loved the popular Christian men and women and music and the events, which, which are all good, and, I, and, and they're worthy, but 
sometimes we elevate them, we put them above our love for God. I'm just saying that they can take God's place in the church sometimes. We're more excited about a person or a, or a group of people than we are about God and what he's doing. You know, we focus on size and status instead of people. You know, how often do, do I talk to pastors and the first thing we want to get to is how many people have we got now and what's, what kind of status does that give us? You know, we've, we've neglected his word. We, we put programs before people sometimes. These are the things that I feel like God is warning us about and, and wanting to cleanse, and cleanse us of a little bit and get us back to the basics. When Jesus is cleansing the church of these things, what is he calling her back to? Well, here's, here's what I got exactly from the scriptures this week in this particular area. The first one is prayer. Verse 13, my temple will be called a house of prayer. So is it? Is, is it actually a house of prayer? Is that, can we say that about Hills Church? Can we say we are a house of prayer? You know, I'd like to think we can. But it's a question that we all need to ask ourselves. You notice that it, it is the first and, and really the only point that Jesus makes in this point, at this stage that he's saying that his house should be, this is his house, the people, the church, his house should be a house of prayer. Of course, it's other things as we're going to see, but the thing that kind of got him mad was that he could see all this junk going on in the temple, but where was the prayer? He, he obviously couldn't see it. All these other things had risen up and taken place. Can I just say something, church? It might just sting a little bit. Maybe this is the best time to say these things when no one's here. You know, To me, a church that is not praying, and that's what Jesus is saying, I think the church that is not praying is not the church. It's become something else. And that's the number one thing that Christians do. You know, we, when we get together, we talk to God together. We pray to him. If praying with other Christians doesn't come easily to you, may I suggest... You find a way. I'm not saying you have to stand in front of the church and lead everyone in prayer like, like myself do or Pastor Steve does. I am saying that we should make it a goal in our Christian growth to learn to pray with each other, you know, in our families. We should be praying in our families, in our small groups. Perhaps at the Wednesday night prayer service, if you can come along to that. You know, we, this is what Christians do, church. We pray. Jesus is making that point. It's a house of prayer. And it's not just the people on the stage that pray. We all pray. I want to encourage you to stretch yourself in that area as much as you can. As God cleanses the church, he's leading us back to prayer. Number two is it's a place of miracles. This is in verse 14. The blind and the lame came to him in the temple and he healed them. Take away all the stuff and the fluff and when it comes down to it, people come to the church to be healed, don't they? Spiritually healed, emotionally healed, and physically healed. This is what the church should be about. And boy, oh boy, it was only a year ago when we went deeper into this actual topic and already, you know, 
me personally, I've stopped pushing into this power of God and, and his desire to heal. I feel like reading the scripture again, God's pulling me back in towards and saying, you know, Nathan, I'm about healing in the church. That's what happened when Jesus was in the temple. So God, forgive us when we're not focusing on you and what you want to do for people when they come to you. You want to heal them. Now, I can't lay hands and anoint you at the moment, but I'm reminded again this week about the story of the Roman officer who asked Jesus to heal his young servant in in Matthew chapter 8. Jesus offered to come and heal him in his house. I mean, who wouldn't want that for starters? Who wouldn't want Jesus to offer to come to your place to pray for you or for your kids? But the Roman officer has enough faith to say to Jesus, you don't even need to come to my house. If you say, be healed from even here, I believe it will happen. And Jesus responds to that faith, and the young man was healed from afar. So if you want our prayer team to intercede and pray for healing for you, then please don't hesitate to ask. We have the faith to ask, even if we can't see you, even if we can't lay hands. And then we accept God's answer to our request. So if you need healing, I invite you to go to our our website and and hit that button on the front page that says, I have a need. And you can just tick the prayer request button, button there and you can type in what it is that you would like people to pray for. And we will pray for healing if you'd like us to do. In fact, we'll pray for anything. You just hit that button and send your prayer request through. It doesn't matter where you're from, if you're from Hills Church usually or not, it doesn't matter. You can send your prayer request through and there are people who are willing to pray for you today. The third thing is it's a, it's a house of praise. From verse 15, the leading priests and the teachers of religious law saw these wonderful miracles and heard even the children in the temple shouting, praise God for the son of David. God's church is where we worship this is where we come and we worship together. Again, this, this is what followers of Christ do. They, they give him praise with shouts, with song, with music. We praise Jesus. He died in our place for our salvation and eternity. And it just the, the, um, the joy of that and the, and the gladness for that just wells up inside us. And we, we want to sing it out in praises. The scriptures say that God loved us so much that he sent Jesus just for us to die for us, and we therefore believe in him and have eternal life. And when I read that, I just want to say hallelujah. I just want to shout praises to God, just like those kids did in the, in the temple that we were just reading about. This is why our faith, it's a singing faith. Churches have, have always had music. We've always written new songs. We've always expressed ourselves to the Lord. You know, we love to sing out together in praises of him. Some people like to raise their hands. It even says in the scriptures, that, he, that God wants holy uh, men to lift their holy hands to him in praise. And so this is why we do these things. Music is a gift from God and it allows us to sing to him and to connect with him in such a, a deep and passionate and emotional way. We've only been apart for two weeks. You know, and as good as this online service is, this online catch-up, I can't wait for us to be worshipping get together again. Do you know what I mean? I'm hoping you're feeling the same way. Now, look, everyone, the first week we get back together, it's going to be huge. I want you all to be here. That first week when the government says we're lifting the, the lockdown, you know, churches can meet again, 
I want this place packed. I want every single one of you here. And if you can't make it, you better bring a note because you'll need a good reason not to come. It's going to be fantastic. And if you've never been to a Sunday church service, if you're watching us online and you've never been to Hills Church or even to a church before, you're invited too. We would love to have you here with us. We want you here. This is a place where you will be welcome and that you can belong. As God cleanses the church, he's calling us back to be a place of incredible, heartfelt praise and worship. The fourth thing is a house of care. And going back to verse 14 again, the blind man and the lame came to him in the temple and he healed them. They came. It was a place of care. The church is a place for those who need God in every way, physically, spiritually, and emotionally. But sometimes the Western church has become a place for, let's say, the people who have maybe got it together or, you know, the healthy and the wealthy or the people who, or at the very least on the outside, it looks like they've got things going and they're living the right way. But Jesus was very clear. He was here for the sick and the vulnerable, you know, the orphan and the widow and the outcast. And the church should reflect that too. The church should be for those people Absolutely, because that's what Jesus was about. You know, he, he used to sit and have dinner parties with tax collectors who were kind of despised in the culture that he was part of. And we don't really like the tax collectors today either. But those particular people, you know, that, that was their job. They were a little corrupt, perhaps, and they weren't loved. Jesus loved them, and he went and had dinner with them. And often the Pharisees would see that, and they would condemn him for it. And, but he was like, no, I have come for the sick, Not for the self-righteous. I've come for the people who I know actually need me. Our job is to love people and declare the power, to declare the power and love of Jesus to heal and forgive people and to lovingly and patiently let that happen in God's way and in God's timing. This is the place for the vulnerable. This is the place for the outcasts. We don't look down on anyone on how they live. We just love them and point them to Jesus. As God cleanses the church, he's calling us back to caring for the vulnerable in our community. He's calling us to care for everyone because Jesus is for all people. You know, church, if God is using this time for our good in some way, even though it's hard to see, I just want to encourage you to push into that. I want you to spend time saying, God, what are you saying to me? I can see God doing a cleansing in the church. I I really can. For a time of temple cleansing comes, during the time of temple cleansing comes the real kingdom of heaven into our neighborhoods. I'm thinking the church will change for good after this. I I really am. I I think that maybe some things won't be the same. I wonder what that will be. It's a a wake-up call for us. It's a cleansing in many ways. But it will be for the glory of God and it will lead, I believe it will lead to us being a more effective church. But what about you personally? What good can God do in your time of pain? Well, let me just be a little vulnerable here with you because here's how I think that God is cleansing me personally. It's here, my heart. You know, the temple of the Holy Spirit as the word describes us. And maybe, just maybe, the subtle grip that money and wealth sometimes has on me, it's just, it's just starting to slip a little. 
You know, as my superannuation moves south quickly, as Shelley and I consider what is our future, what's it going to look like, that, that grip that, of our future wealth, you know, it's just, it's loosening its power on me a little bit. Maybe I'm getting a true glimpse of Matthew 5.3 when Jesus said, God blesses those who are poor and realize their need for him for the kingdom of heaven is theirs. You know, in Luke, it, it simply says, blessed are the poor. Maybe, maybe, just maybe, we're getting a little glimpse of what these scriptures we've always read are, are really starting to mean. I know I'm not really poor to most of the world, but there is a taste of it, isn't there? This temple, the church, is being cleansed in some ways, and so is this temple here. There's a, there's a cleansing. And as we close today, I want to extend an invitation to you. God loves you. He wants to forgive you of everything you've ever done against him and anyone else. He wants to give you eternal life. He wants life with you. And he wants to invite you this morning to be your Lord. If today you want to receive Jesus and follow him, then would you join me now in prayer as we come to a close? This morning, God, we once again come before you and we cast our cares and our concerns on you as you told us to, and we receive your peace and your grace afresh. Lord, this morning, um, we look to you. We admit our need for you. We believe and who you are and what you have done. And this morning we commit ourselves to you again. Oh Lord, for some who might be praying at home or haven't prayed this prayer to you before, we commit to you for the first time. And I just encourage you, if that's you, why don't you just take a second to do that. Pray that little quiet prayer to the Lord. We invite you to be the Lord over our life and we change path and we, we step in behind you, Jesus, as our King, as our Lord. In Jesus' name, amen.